Do keep uh, a Bible open if you can. Keep it to hand because we're going to be spending some good time in there and uh, yeah, keep our noses down. So that will really help us. Um, I don't know if you have watched the Netflix series Inventing Anna. Actually, looking around the room, I know that some of you definitely have. Um, and some of you have spoken about it a little bit, which is good. Um, if you haven't, uh, the premise is pretty simple. It tells the true story of a lady called Anna Delvey, or real name Anna Sorokin. She poses as a German heiress. Um, she tries to get away with all sorts by, um, by putting on and pretending to have limitless funds available, tied up in trust funds. So the series, it talks all about her extravagant lifestyle, all about how she tries to con banks out of money, all about her character, all about all the things she does. She tries to set up and create a club for wealthy individuals. She is brash, she's confident, she's got an air of authority about her. And the, the series, it, it follows her and talks about all the things that she does as um, someone documents and writes about the fact that it was all a scam. It was all fake. She didn't really have all this money. She um, almost at times seems slightly de delusional. She seems to think that she really does have all the authority. But on her way to um, ending up in court, she manages to swindle more than $200,000 worth of um, hotel fees, um, holidays, and all sorts until this journalist began uncovering the truth and it all came tumbling down. If you've watched the uh, series, maybe you'll be slightly frustrated by some of her quirks, the way she talks, the way she um, owns certain situations. She didn't have the authority that she claimed to have. She didn't have the power that she tried to use. She didn't have the money in the trust funds that she claimed. And inevitably, that grates on us, and it grated on many people throughout the series. We at Town Church, we've been spending time in the book of Acts, and we've used that memory verse, Acts 1 verse 8, that we sang together. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We've seen how the witnesses to the Lord Jesus who met him, who saw him, who heard about him, went and carried out that message of truth to those different areas. But exactly what does it mean that they, they were given power to do so? What does it mean for us as followers of Jesus to be given power to do so? Maybe you're a Christian in the room, you don't feel like you've got that confidence to live as a Christian. Maybe you look at other Christians that seem to have 100% confidence in a calling in what they do. Or maybe you get a glimpse of Christians elsewhere that seem to do things in Jesus' name that are quite confusing to you. Things that seem a bit odd or 
or difficult to understand. Maybe you hear a Christian friend saying, I'm convinced this is what God wants for me. Maybe you're not a Christian here this afternoon and you see a Christian with real confidence and it, it seems to grate on you a little bit. How can they be really sure? <coughs> what does it really look like to do something in Jesus' name? Here in the first bit of the bit of Acts that we've been looking at this afternoon, there's two seemingly random encounters as we read through them. They're a bit odd that Paul has in Ephesus. But the question that they have in common that they're addressing is what does it really look like to do something in Jesus' name? First baptism and then healings. What does it mean to do something in Jesus' name? So keep that, keep that Bible open if you can. And we're just going to walk through that first, first little encounter. And keep your eyes down as I walk through. Have a look down at verse 25. In Ephesus, we've got this guy called Apollos. And he's only known the baptism of John. That's John the Baptist. Apollos, can you see, he looks like a sound guy. He's well taught. But he's not yet heard about the baptism of Jesus. So look at verse 26. Priscilla and Aquila, they explain to him more adequately. So that he'd get it. So that he'd understand what Jesus' baptism is. It needed addressing. Now, skip on a bit. Have a look at verse 1. Paul then returns to Ephesus, that same place, and he asks them the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Seems like a slightly unrelated question. And they say, verse 2, no. Verse 3, we received John's baptism. Look at verse 4, look at what Paul says. He says, believe in Jesus. And so they do, and they receive the Holy Spirit. Do you see what's at the heart of the issue there? Under whose authority are these people being baptised? And what does that mean? Paul, as he went back to Ephesus, he wanted to make clear that, that John, John the Baptist, he was only ever pointing towards Jesus. Look at verse 4, as Paul addresses them. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. See, the issue that Apollos had, and the reason that that Paul wants to talk about the Holy Spirit, was that John the Baptist himself promised that the one coming, that is, Jesus, would baptise with the Holy Spirit. This is what it says earlier in um, Luke's first account, in the book of Luke. John the Baptist says, I baptise you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. See, now at this point in the book of Acts, now that Jesus has come, repentance and faith, it must be. It must be repentance which is turning to trust in Jesus. It must be faith in Jesus, in what he said, in what he's done. In the book of Acts, we see that repentance, it goes hand in hand with baptism. It's just the expected next step. It's a public profession of faith and a demonstration of obedience to Jesus' call, repent and be baptised. 
This is what Peter said earlier on in the book of Acts as he addressed the crowd, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. See how that answers the question? When do you have that power inside you? When do you receive the Holy Spirit? It's when you turn to trust in Jesus. It's when you turn to trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. That is what Jesus offers. That's what happens in verse 5. Have a look down. They were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus and they received the Holy Spirit. So for us today, we receive the Holy Spirit when we turn to trust in the Lord Jesus. We can be sure because Jesus has told us clearly, authoritatively, that when we trust in him, he gives us the promised Holy Spirit. It's an immense privilege to turn to trust in Jesus and receive that promised Holy Spirit. It's a privilege that equips people to live for Jesus, to speak about Jesus. It's a power. It's a person inside us that equips us, enables us to live. That means if you trust in Jesus, you have that immense privilege. A person, a power inside you that brings new life. Given by the authority of Jesus within you right now. It's the power that brings new life. That convinces us of the truth about Jesus. It's the power that gives us the desire to listen to God and hear what he has to say to us. It's the power that grips your heart and and makes you want to follow Jesus. It's the power that equips you to be a witness of the Lord Jesus, to want to speak of him, to be able to. Well, maybe the question is, well, what authority do we have? When Acts 1 verse 8 says you'll receive power, what does it mean to be powerfully equipped by the Holy Spirit? A power within us, what does it look like? There's so many questions. Have a look at verse 6. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And maybe that raises loads of questions. Should we expect that now? Is that different in Acts? What's normal? What authority should I be invoking now if I trust in Christ? If I have the Holy Spirit within me, should I be expecting extraordinary things? Well, I think we get a pretty helpful answer in the next section. Maybe, maybe you remember through lockdown, you um, tuned in to the Handforth Parish Council meeting. Maybe you uh, followed it afterwards. Um, the Handforth Parish Council meeting was held on Zoom. It went viral as a recording was released in public. After much discussion about whether or not um, it was legally called. There was um, ingenious arguments. It was chaotic. And Brian Tolver made the claim, you have no authority here, Jackie Weaver. No authority at all. Those words have been remixed to plenty of Spotify playlists and videos on YouTube. 
She, uh, Jackie Weaver, quickly removed Brian Tolver and two others from the Zoom call. She invoked her privilege as a Zoom host. And then somebody else said, read the standing orders. Read them and understand them. <laughs> See, Jackie Weaver, she was desperate to claim authority that others weren't convinced she had. Maybe you've seen Christians elsewhere, in other churches or other parts of the world, claim to do all sorts of things in Jesus' name, and it's raised lots of questions. Are you not quite sure what to make of that? Can we use Jesus' authority to heal people when and where we want to? Are we meant to use Jesus' authority to defeat evil at our fingertips just there and then? Well, let's just have a look at what's going on in these healings in Ephesus. Have a look down. See, God does extraordinary things through Paul. See there in verse 11, there's healing diseases, curing sickness, getting rid of evil spirits. God does those things through Paul. But see, look what happens. Look at verse 13. Others try and invoke Jesus' name. They try and copy, they try and use Jesus' authority. But look what happens to them, verse 15 and 16. They have no authority here. They have no power. They get beaten up. They run away bloodied and naked. And you see the result in verse 17. What happens? Well, what happens is, People hold Jesus' name in high regard. Jesus hold, uh, people hold Jesus up higher because they see that Jesus has ultimate authority. Not the people that claim to wield Jesus' name. When people try to copy, people try to counterfeit miracles without his authority, it doesn't work. Well, what about for us? When are we to expect extraordinary things? Why is it that God does extraordinary things through Paul so readily, so quickly, yet we don't seem to see them so readily, so quickly now? Well, this is where it's really helpful to see the context of the book of Acts. To see that we, what we read in the book of Acts, we don't read as normative for us and for Christians today. It's not what we should readily expect on the day-to-day. The setting of Acts is, is different for two significant reasons. First, the task of the early believers in spreading the gospel is pretty different. And second, the task of the apostles in reliably recording the accounts about Jesus is different as well. So first, the task of spreading the gospel, we see that differently right from the word going Acts 2 in uh, Pentecost where the people gathered are especially equipped by the Holy Spirit to speak in the tongues of the different people gathered from around different geographic areas, such that they can speak in a tongue that the people understand, and so the Holy Spirit equips them especially for the specific task in the book of Acts, so that the news about Jesus can spread. The second, the Apostles reliably recording the accounts about Jesus. Well, our knowledge of what Jesus did and taught, it's dependent on 
apostolic witness, the, the witness, the recordings, the writings of the apostles that followed Jesus at the time. And so our understanding of Jesus' accomplishments, what he's done for us, they're, they're dependent by the Spirit on the recordings of the apostles. The promise was made to the eleven. And later to Paul, this is what it says in Acts 22, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and hear a voice from his mouth, for you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. So the only way to know what the church should teach, believe and practice, the measure is the, the authoritative apostolic witness that's what was given to the apostles by the holy spirit to record and given to us in the bible that's why as whenever we look at the bible at town church whenever we preach at town church we really want you to have it open and and look to see the authoritative word of god the apostles were especially commissioned by jesus to a task specific to that time. The signs and wonders in Jesus' ministry, they're only normative at that time because of the uniqueness of that revelation. We want to honour that uniqueness. We don't want to overreach and assume Jesus' name for whatever we want to do. So we shouldn't expect exactly the same. But that doesn't mean those things are impossible. It certainly doesn't mean those things are outside of God's control. He has the ability to do those things and he he can and will. But we shouldn't expect them to be the normative experience. And look, fundamentally from this passage, we shouldn't try and invoke Jesus' name to do the things that Jesus hasn't given us to do. That's the warning against those people. Jesus has the ultimate authority. It's his name that's worthy of honour. And we should take that really seriously. Which leaves us with the question, well, what are we to do in response to the Lord Jesus? Well, what we're commissioned to do is to speak of him. To carry on taking that message given to the apostles, to us, in his word, the Bible, to others. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Our job is to continue the work of Jesus in teaching others about him, to obey his commands. Paul speaks in those terms as he talks about passing on the baton of the gospel as a witness to the truth about Jesus clearly given in his word we're empowered to be a witness too Jesus was given extraordinary power to live out a transformed life and in Jesus we're given power to follow him we might not be quite like Paul And the apostles, in that we don't have the apostolic authority to proclaim anything in Jesus' name that that he hasn't laid out in Scripture. We can't assume that power. 
But of course there'll be concerns. Of course we'll see things. We'll face sickness, hardship, illness, bereavement. And when we do, we're invited in the name of the Lord Jesus to bring our requests to God. John 14 says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. See, we've been given Jesus' permission to go to him with any request or concern. A little bit later in that chapter it says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. We're to be reminded of what Jesus has shown of himself in his word, the Bible. Look, if you trust in Jesus, here's the immense privilege that we have as we read these two random occurrences. We see what's going on. Here's the immense privilege. If you truly trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, that's what's on offer. You can be absolutely 100% sure that you have the Holy Spirit in you. You can be sure because Jesus authoritatively promised it. You have an extraordinary power within you that is transforming you to live to honour Jesus. That enables you to claim every promise that the Lord Jesus gives with complete confidence. And it equips you to live for him, to speak of him. If you're here this afternoon and you wouldn't say you follow Jesus, you're really welcome. It's really great to have you. And you see what Jesus promises. That's a promise to anyone who turns to trust in the Lord Jesus. Maybe you could go away and come to the person that invited you with questions. Why is it that you're so confident of this news about Jesus? They'd love to speak to you. That's the privilege of the believer, a power within them to trust in God, to follow Christ and to speak of him. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much that when you open our eyes to the truth about Jesus by your spirit, inside of us we have a power a transforming power that changes us to be more like him. Father, thank you that that is not confusing, it's not chaotic. Thank you that that is based on what the Lord Jesus has told us. And please would you help us to cling to the words of the Lord Jesus and his authority. Amen. Well, we're going to um, stand and sing together of that authority that, that Jesus has. And so we're going to sing that we'd praise his name. Let's stand and sing together.